If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Thank you so much for tuning into the show and welcome to season two of the Audiobook Club with John York. The Audiobook Club, partnered with Pro Audio Voices, celebrates audiobooks, the amazing people and teams who make them happen, as well as the various talents behind storytelling. To learn more about Amplify and other opportunities to grow your sales, platform and audience, head over to ProAudioVoices.com and listen out for a short but informational advertisement within this episode. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by actor, voice actor and audiobook narrator Jess Nahikian. Jess, it's such a joy to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm really great. How are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yeah, there's quite bad snow in the UK at the moment, um, which is it's weird for March, but it's it's been both nice and a little terrifying. Yeah, yeah, we've had some nice weather here. Actually, fortunately, we had some weird weather last week, and then now we're back to nice. It's been kind of it's been kind of all over the place. So you're based in New York City, is that right? That's right. Yeah, I live um, uptown in Manhattan, and. You know, it's uh, working in audio and living in Manhattan is like a, it's its own little adventure. <laughs> yeah, I bet. There's such a great audiobook community and, you know, voiceover community in New York. It's, uh, I'm incredibly envious. Yeah, it's an amazing community. I, I feel really, really lucky um, to have found such a, it's just such a diverse, nerdy, kind group of individuals who are just keeping people company in there in their own private spaces. It's great. I I just think that there's something really precious about this community. And especially in New York, we have just so many people, especially after the pandemic, too. Lots of people kind of moved into audio. So that's been, I I love it. It's been amazing. Yeah, that's one of the things about the pandemic, isn't it? It's like there was so, I, I noticed that myself, even here in the UK, there was so much more interest there. And I suppose it's that kind of thing of like it, it, the lockdowns gave people like really a, a chance to sort of realise their dreams and passions and sort of give that sort of um for them to, to go and chase after it. Absolutely, because there was no like, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Like, no, because you're... What are you doing? What else are you going to do? <laughs> One of my favorite comedians is like, there was no excuse for not doing the things that you wanted to do because literally nothing else was happening. So there was no like, oh, too busy, <laughs> you know, like really can't, don't have the time. No, you have yeah. nothing but time. You have nothing but time. So, yeah, no, I uh, <laughs> I actually, um, I happened to purchase my booth in uh, January of 2020. So it was a particularly um yeah hi stevie that's my dog (laughs) um yeah so i i actually ended up having um my booth basically installed in my apartment about a month before we went into lockdown it was crazy yeah did you was that just like good timing then on your part yeah yeah (laughs) i it was it was this craziest uh moment of my life uh just because it just seemed so serendipitous um yeah but yeah no it, it was it was really good and I it what it really allowed me to do is spend a lot of really concerted time figuring out what I wanted to do with this uh particular craft so I I feel really lucky yeah 
Well, so you've been you've recently been included on Audible's Best of the Year 2022, as well as been involved with a movie premiering at Sundance, like and and then not to mention releasing banger after banger uh, with audiobooks. Like, how is life at the moment for you? Could you could you tell us a little bit about those projects? Yeah, life is really really good. Um, I uh, one of my my best friends sent me like a like a reductress meme that was like. Things are going well for woman, so now she's terrified. Um, I, I'm feeling a little bit like that because I, you know, I do all of this work by myself and um, in my booth at least, and it's uh, it's wild to have it be received. But also, I'm so grateful to have it be received so broadly and with yeah. such um, with with such kind words. So yeah, no, it was really it was very cool. Um I got an email from my publisher the day the list came out and I was like, "Oh, that's that's wild." It's funny. Uh John, it's actually the day I met you. I found out on my way to that uh that little dinner we went to. Oh, so, no way. Yeah, some some serendipity there. So yeah, no, it's been really good. I uh I got to do some voices on a pretty popular video game uh recently so i'm really looking forward to that coming out and it's just uh it's been a pretty cool artistic time yeah uh and actually yesterday we found out that the movie that went to sundance that uh that got picked up by sony so oh my god it's it's a crazy it's a crazy moment to be me but i i'm just like so grateful for everybody who's kind of like loved me and taught me into this moment yeah um there's no way to do it without a community of people around you cheering you on. So I, I feel I feel really, really good about that. And I, I feel um, excited to see what happens next. Yeah, absolutely. It just goes to show how you're a much better person than I am. Because if I had found out that I'd have been included on that Audible's Best of the Year list on the day that I was going to an event, there wouldn't have been a single person on that table who wasn't aware. <laughs> I <would have> been... <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm, I've always been a little bit like that. I... Um... I like to uh, figure out how I feel about successes before I talk about them, which I, I, don't, know, I don't know what that says, but I, I I sometimes like to hold it pretty close to the chest and and cherish it before I get anybody else's yeah. feedback on what it means. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's been a it's been a wild time. I um I've nicknamed my booth <laughs> the Mystery Machine um, <laughs> because you know it's like Scooby Doo uh, because I. Uh, I've just been doing mystery after mystery this year. It's been crazy. I uh, just like murder, murder person. Yeah. Do you find yourself going like sort of, do you find yourself sort of being like appealed to those, those genres or is those just the the sort of jobs that you keep getting asked back for? I, well, I, I, it's a little bit of both. Um, I, (laughs) but to really uh, part the kimono here on my nerdy past, but um, (laughs) I grew, (laughs) I grew up, um, playing a lot of like point and click video games and one of my favorites was the Nancy Drew detective series. Yeah. So uh those were just just like crazy little mysteries that were weirdly animated for the 90s. It was it was a great moment in video game history. But uh no, I I really liked mysteries from the time I can remember it's been my favorite genre. Um loved mm. true crime for the moment it was having in like 2016 when everybody loved true crime i i think it's like it's just a part of my uh literary dna and so it feels yeah. really it, it's really fun to do a lot of mysteries and a lot of murder mysteries i do have to like take care of myself cuz they can if you're like really stuck in them for too long 
Oh yeah. You can uh, it can start to wear on you. Yeah, I bet. Too much, too much sad sometimes. Absolutely, and you start sort of going through your life very suspiciously. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and it you know it can bring you down in ways that you're not. Uh, always aware of in the same way that I think it can lift you up you know like I'm sure you're Mm. familiar when you have a really good interview or when you are working on something that's just really well written and you get in that pocket where you feel like you're um, in the flow it's like super joyful so I think you got to take the good with the bad but um but yeah sometimes it requires a walk in the park Oh, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. You just have to kind of look after yourself. And I find that like, I have to be really careful, um, kind of what TV shows I watch as well, just in my own time. Because totally. I think, you know, if, you, if you're not feeling that great anyway, and then, you know, you're watching something that's like really sad or like kind of destructive, it can bring you down even further. Yeah, it can it can really be like confirmation of how shit things are, <laughs> or how garbage things are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Can we swear on this podcast? Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'd like to. Um, if it's okay, just before we uh, we jump into some uh, more specific questions, I'd love to start by kind of getting to know a little bit more about your background, if that's okay. Could you could you share with us like how you found yourself acting and and in the world of VO and audiobooks and all that goodness. Yeah, I'm one of those like lame people who has always wanted to do it. So I went to a high school that kind of had focus um, opportunities to focus in theater, and I did that um, for two years of my high school experience. And then um, while I was in high school, there was a lot of support and encouragement towards um, continuing your education with, if you wanted to in art or whatever. But we had a lot mm. of really great support, and somebody recommended to me. Um, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. Uh, at the time, it was RSAMD. Um, but I went over there. I happened to like really feel a sink moment when I did some research on it, and I decided that I was going to go for a couple of weeks. They do some summer courses, so I ended up um, I ended up doing that, and I just fell in love with it. I just there were some tutors there that were just like. I really felt in sync with and it felt like the right thing to do. So uh, knowing that they had a 4% acceptance rate, I just worked my butt off for the next year. Um, And I ended up getting accepted and I I went over and it was was the time of my life and also super tough. I was 18 and living alone in Scotland. It was crazy. So yeah, when we were there, we did some voiceover and I felt like I had some pretty good Um, voice training, having had those resources during school. Um, And then when I graduated, you know, like I, I I had, I think when everybody is young and an artist, some pretty specific ideas uh, about what, where I was going to fit in the world of acting and the industry. And I, none of those were immediate hits. Um, I thought I was only ever going to do theater. I wanted to stay in the UK. I, you know, all of these very specific ideas about what uh, a successful life in art would look like. And um, pretty swiftly, uh, Brexit happened and my visa fell through and I was back home. And the only thing I could figure out how to do after, like, my whole life was uh, kind of shifted very Mm. swiftly um, was to just start planting seeds. Uh, 
And so I did I did some like scratch VO for somebody. And uh, while I was there, I paid some uh, extra cash to the engineer and they we recorded a, an audiobook demo. And then I sent that off to um, I grew up in West, West yeah. Michigan. So uh, somebody had mentioned Brilliance, which uh, is now part of Amazon. But they were like, you should submit to Brilliance, you know, with all of your like real stuff. And so I did. Didn't hear anything for a year. Moved to New York, started doing some TV stuff, and then I got a call from Brilliance, and uh, and then I just f- fell in love with it. It's like I, I just fell in love with it. I was no good at it. I was just garbage. All I wanted to do is like push every syllable and like you know, like I wanted to. I I uh, I was no good, <laughs> um, but I really loved it, and so. <laughs> And so I, um, I, I just tried to get good, you know? Mm. I was just like, I just like th- kept throwing myself against the wall. I hired a really great coach and had him, you know, tear me apart and help me figure out what my, what my uh, voice was going to look like, what my artistic voice was going to look like, the things I wanted to say artistically. He was amazing. And so uh, I kept working with Brilliance and then just kind of snowballed from there, as I think it does for a lot of people. It can kind of um, really encompass you, kind of like draw yeah. you in. It's a, I think, and I think it's a lot of that, we were talking about community earlier. I think it has a lot to do with that. The community is just so supportive and loving. And, and I think the work is just so um, personal that it's hard to be competitive. And so I think it's it was a place that I felt really loved and supported artistically. So there was no way I wasn't going to continue. I, I think that I think you're absolutely right. And there is it's, it's a strange it's strange to say um, community because I absolutely agree with you. But I think it's strange because obviously it's, it's quite an isolated job or it can be, especially if you're working from home. Yeah. But yet there's just something about the audiobook industry in particular, I feel that just the, the, I think maybe because we're, you know, a lot of us are in solitude a lot of the time that when we are sort of, you know, interacting with each other, it's, it, it really is just such an overwhelmingly welcoming space to be. Yeah. And I and I wonder how much of that how much of that comes from the fact that it's isolated and and how much of it comes from just the kinds of people this work mm. attracts. You know, I think you have to be pretty self-led. Um, you have to be pretty flexible. You have to be pretty um, yeah. driven. And I think that I wonder if there are just it, it just attracts a, a certain breed of, of artist and there's some simpatico yeah. there. Um yeah, I, I, it is funny that you mentioned it's such a strong community for such an ice, like something we all do in isolation. You know, I mean, at most, right, if you're in, in with a publisher, you've got like four people in the room at most. Yeah. Like that's like a, ooh, wow, there's a lot of, a lot of folks here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm actually going into my first in-person session in a while uh, next week. And it'll be interesting how much different that is, you know, because it's always different than me punching myself in or self-directing. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Do you um do you find yourself nervous um in situations like that? I mean, even though you know you've you're no strangers to recording audiobooks and no strangers to this industry, do do you find yourself getting a little bit nervous as you say if it's been a little while going back and doing it in front of people live? 
as opposed to recording at home. Yeah, I think there's like a lot of just being perceived that goes along with being oh, yeah. in person. Um, and it's not necessarily, I wouldn't describe it as nervousness, but it's just a very different workflow. Um, you know, there's way, I find it um, a little bit more tiring because there's a little bit more of being on because you're communicating with your director, you're communicating with the producers on your break or whatever. Um, and I, I just find it to just be a little bit more, it requires a little bit more of me to be in studio than it does to be in my booth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's just an element. I think it's like when you're working from home and no one's watching, you can sort of just switch off, can't you? Like in between, just sort of go into like, a, or I do anyway, uh, go into like a little bit of a trance state between chapters. And then... <laughs> <laughs> totally. Or or you can like get up and make yourself tea in yeah. your house and you're not like, hey, where's the tea? <laughs> like, you know, like there's, you like just, it's a familiar environment. And I think that that's um, just it just is a little bit more comfortable but I yeah but I really also really enjoy being in person because like one thing that sometimes I feel a little bit drained by this job is that like there's really not a lot of feedback Mm. you know like there's just if you're not on if you're not being directed or you're not in studio like there's it's really just you and the mic and your own feedback loop of like what you're looking to do and what you know what you hope this book will sound like and and it's a lot of just like i think it i think it's it's exciting always to have somebody on the other end of the headset experiencing the thing you're trying to create yeah um because it feels a little bit more active and a little bit more like i can see how this will land on people when they're actually listening to it in their car yeah. <laughs> rather than I hope this is something, you know. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I think that that's that's an exciting part of being in person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're now, you're uh, you're no stranger to recording voiceover for uh, for video games, of course. And now, this particular medium um, being an incredibly popular uh, suggested topic for this show, um, I'd love to know how your process adapts when working on a video game. Could you could you perhaps share with us like kind of what the audition process looks like? You know, developing a voice for that character and just your general overall experience when when recording for video games. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's funny that it's even in the same, like, job sphere because it's not the same job. Um, you know, I think narration, uh, I have a great friend, Mia, who I think you know, Mia. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, so Mia actually, Mia and I went to high school, college, and now live in New York within five blocks of each other. <laughs> um, so, like, we, we, we go way back. But Mia had this beautiful uh, way of looking at audiobooks that was like, you know, we're we're giving people the gift of our time and we're keeping them company in their private spaces. Yeah. And I think that that's like a, a really beautiful way of looking at audiobooks. And and I think in that way, there has to be a familiarity when you're narrating an audiobook, mm. a uh, a truth telling that's about keeping um, keeping the listener engaged, but also sort of um a specific kind of intimacy. And when you're working on voiceover, that's no longer a consideration, right? Because you're not actually keeping people company. What you're doing is creating a single character that is recognizable and full of life. Yeah. So that it transcends the fact that nobody's face 
is expressing um, the text, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, you're you're trying to create more of an archetype rather than like a comfortable situation. Um, so when I start, when I get a voiceover breakdown, <laughs> it really depends. I'll talk about um, specifically uh, uh, like fantasy video games, right? Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is what I'll do is I'll, you know, you do all the research you would normally do on any project. So you look up the casting director. What else do they cast? Um, What other projects have they worked on? And then usually I'll try to watch some of that for about 30 minutes or so and get an idea of where that sits. So, like, if it's a video game, I'll watch, like, playthroughs on YouTube. It's insane that this is my job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, like, this is what my partner does for fun. Like, sits on YouTube and is like, oh, I really got to get to work. (laughs) And and here I am just like, I am at work. Um, No, so I'll I'll watch some of that and get an idea of where it sits. Um, And then usually what you'll get is, like, an illustration, an artist concept. Um from casting and now that's not always where the character will land um sometimes they'll tweak the art after they cast somebody um in the animating process but usually it's a it's a pretty solid idea of who this character is now the things i look for especially in fantasy what kind of weapon are they carrying um what outfit are they in Mm -hmm. and are there any specific things in the breakdown that would lead to vocal choices and so when I have that, then I start to try to find um, what the mix of masculine and feminine is in the voice. I try to figure out if they're more of a projecting strong voice or if they're maybe a little bit more relaxed or a little bit more soft or sexy. I just try to fi- like bring out all those colors. And usually what I'll do is play with three or four versions until I find something that I feel like fits. Um, and then... And then you read your lines. And it's so funny because voiceover is usually like, it's usually like five or six lines. It's not a lot for an audition. So most of that process is finding the voice that fits what they're looking for in the tone of the thing. Yeah. I find it so fascinating that that sort of building up process, you know, especially in like the research part of it. Are you, it's like, is, is research a big part for you um, when, you know, when going for a job? Is that, is that like a section that you really enjoy? Yes, research is is important to me because it helps me feel like I can ground myself in some level of a tone, right? I think research is big for me in terms of like, because there are all kinds of animation voiceover needs, right? Like you've got your like little kids and that's a very different tone than like your, I'm a badass lady with a sword, you know, like that's a very different um type of storytelling and then you also have your like very intimate video games that are just like right here you know and like you know and all of that is very different um and so the research element helps me feel like i understand that the choices i'm making are in the pocket of the story that's being told um it was a piece of advice that was given from given to me by a director on a video game uh session which was just that, like, acting is a really important element and finding the voice is a really important element, but also knowing the thing you're in. And sometimes that can be um, a little bit tricky to figure out, especially if you're working on a new game. And then you just kind of have to look at what else the studio has done. Yeah, I think research is really important. I guess I'm finding that <laughs> out. Yeah, because I, I guess without the research, I don't know where to begin. It's like my starting yeah. line. 
just moving moving on to a different topic if that's okay how are you dealing how how are you at dealing with uncertainty because like I get a lot of messages on this show for those who are starting out in the industry, and this may be their first kind of endeavor into into a career path that um, is is, is self led, and and you don't technically, um, you know, you don't necessarily know what you're going to be doing a few months down the line. And I just wondered, like, first of all, how are you at dealing with uncertainty, and then also if you have any advice for those who are in that position, just starting out, who are finding themselves having to having to cope with this for the first time. Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, probably really, really early in my career, I dealt with a lot of um, maybe resentment and fear around the unknown. Um, sort of like I, I felt like I had worked really hard to get where I was, and that the uncertainty was against me. And then yeah. I, you know, I found the audiobook world and I found my voice artistically. And I think what that gave me was the ability to, like, kind of settle in my um, in myself a little bit more. And, and with that, I think I realized that uncertainty is not exclusive to this industry. Um, uncertainty is everywhere, always. And it's a part of life that is... is I've tried to reframe my uncertainty into a barometer for my care for the thing I'm doing. Um, you know, like, if, if something is feeling uncertain, maybe that's because I'm trying something new. Or if something yeah. is feeling uncertain, maybe that's because I don't actually have a lot of control. But me indulging the uncertainty and considering it as, like, a really a thing I have to conquer... Is not particularly mm. helpful because I'm not going to, <laughs> and so uh, I try to look at the like the uncertainty and just say like, oh, I'm I'm really caring about this right now, okay, and like I yeah. just try to leave it there. Um, it's easier said than done, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> I also go to therapy. That's a huge part of my uncertainty practice. Is like, yeah, just dealing with it because it it's. You know, and, and if I if I can take a left onto a mini tangent here, I think, you know, for those of us who are not at the end of our careers, this AI revolution has been a really big trigger for a lot of people um, yeah. because of its relationship to artistic uncertainty. And I think change is necessary. And... It's not always good, but it's necessary. Um, and so with with that major uncertainty that I am super not looking forward to dealing with, um, that's been a really good moment for me where I've been able to say, oh, yeah, my threshold for uncertainty is higher than it used to be. Like I can I yeah. can withstand more uncertainty. And I would say that like if you're just starting out, Sitting with your uncertainty and expanding your capacity for it will serve you um, because it will allow you to be flexible and it will allow you to have the fun that you're trying to have. Because I think like yeah. nobody's getting into this because it's like a quick buck or an easy thing. People get into this because it's a good time and it is a good time. And so if you can sit with your uncertainty and just let that be a natural part of what's coming up for you, I think 
you can just have a little bit more fun. And I and I think always engaging with the thing you're trying to get better at and picking what you like and what you don't like and trying to engage with with the scary and engage with the things you're not good at. Like facing all of that is going to be way better of a time, I think. I am. Um, I know. I I resonate with that a lot. I think because um, uncertainty was like a massive thing for a, a massive issue for me, really, because I just um, I, I struggled a lot with it. And um, I didn't know at some points if I was able to kind of cope with it. And I was talking with a friend of mine who's an actor and he was um, he sort of sat me down one day and, and, and said, like, well, have you got any interest in doing anything else? And I said, no. And he says, like, can you have you got any skills, transferable skills that can, you know, let you do anything else? I said, no. He said, well, you don't really have much choice. <laughs> and, he just, and he kind of just put everything in perspective. <laughs> I thought, well, this is it. I'm just going to have to I'm just going to have to uh, buckle down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think and I think that that's like a reality for a lot of people in this in this industry is like. It's not always like a moment of clarity. Sometimes it's just shit enough for long enough that you're just like well I guess this is just how it is yeah and like in that there is a lot of freedom right like yeah okay this is just what it's gonna be and I think you know I think as a as a person in the world I think especially for creative people it's important to know what things what kinds of struggles are deepening you and what kinds of struggles are smothering you and Mm. I think for some people, they get into this career and it's smothering for them, the uncertainty. And that's totally valid and does not make them a failure or a bad artist. Or it's just an unfortunate reality of art interacting with capitalism. And it's, yeah. you know, like it's just, it doesn't mean you're no good if it's not for you. It's a lifestyle in many ways that you have mm. to be on board with. And if if it smothers you, there's no reason to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, another topic um, that I get messaged a lot about, um, even though I've mentioned it quite a few times on the show, new messages keep asking me to ask. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to ask if that's okay. But networking um, is something that we hear over and over again that we should be doing more as creatives and artists and such, expanding our network and our colleagues and friendships. What's your experience networking? Is is it something that you like kind of actively keep on top of? Is it, you know, have you have you got any kind of thoughts on on networking in general? Hmm. Um the people who are for you will not lose sight of who you are. Um mm. the people, you know, I think what's really important is not trying to be everybody's solution um i think what's what's really important in networking for me right and i think a lot of people have a lot of different views on this for me i really want to get to the end of my career and feel like i had real relationships with people that transcend the work that we're doing together and that's not always possible you know sometimes you're working with people and they're just colleagues but i think One thing that's really important for me is feeling like I know and trust that if somebody I am working with uh, has something to say about the work I'm doing, that they can and that they will. And so what I really try to foster in my networking connections is, is 
you know, the basics of like, this is who I am, this is the kind of work I'm doing, and this is the kind of work I'm interested in doing. But also really finding the people you enjoy who are making the work you're interested in doing. Um, Because those relationships will outlast any working relationship. And, And that's just what's important for me. So when I'm email writing, I try... You know, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to write the email that's like, hey, we all know why we're here. I want a job (laughs) and you should give me one because I would like it, please. (laughs) Right? Like, and we do the dance of like, hey, how are you? How's the weather where you are? (laughs) And like, we got to do it and everybody knows what's happening. And that's just like true. We just, you have to do those parts of networking. And that's something I am slowly but surely learning is just part of it, right? Like, that's the boring stuff. That's your vegetables. But the part of it that matters, I think, is when, you know, I have a really great friend who has been a really big supporter of me for a long time um, and whose career has moved in a bunch of different ways in the audiobook world. and, And now this person is doing really quite well. And we're still friends. And I think... We kind of came up together, and I, I, I really treasure that relationship because I, that's, that's one of those people who I feel it, our relationship transcends the industry, and that's what, that's what matters to me. And so I guess I'm not afraid of missed connections when networking, and I think that that's probably served me and made me yeah. pretty lucky because I, I think that if there's a missed connection, it's, it's fine. First of all, things come around again. But also, it's okay. Like, there are enough people doing this work that you don't have to be everybody's everything. Yeah. Yeah, and so I I think keeping things authentic is important. And those people who see you will see you. Absolutely. I think that's such great valid points. Um, I agree with you completely. Um, Another uh, big topic uh, that I'm uh, asked to ask is um, about auditioning, because auditioning is a huge aspect of the VO and audiobook world and acting world in general, of course. Do you have kind of any advice for auditioning? Like, is is there like a certain mindset that one has to adopt that you found that's that's helped you to like, you know, avoid getting too obsessed with a particular job or like, you know, kind of to, to sort of limit disappointment if there's like a particular job that you really wanted if something falls through etc have you got any sort of thoughts on auditioning as a whole this has been a huge practice for me i when i was speaking earlier about and and you said you have some familiarity with this uncertainty business auditioning Mm. was a huge part of what i had to work through um Mm. because i found that auditioning and and Maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree. I'll be interested to hear, but it's not the same thing. It is it is both exactly the work you'll be doing if you book it and not mm. at all the work you'll be doing if you book it, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I think, you know, when you're auditioning, something that's really important is to find you in that piece, I think when I was first auditioning, I was really, really stuck on what was right. What did they want to hear? What did they need to hear to know that I could do it? And this may just be the result of some uh, just longevity, right? <laughs> like just doing mm-hmm. it enough oh, yeah. that there there is no way to feel strongly about every single audition. Um, but I, I think that the main thing is finding yourself in it, right? And where, yeah. 
where your voice lives if this were you. Um, and it's not about, you know, like if they want a person whose voice sounds different than yours, they'll hire that person. So I think it's really important to not get too caught up in like, oh, I want to sound like Scott Brick or I want to sound like Julie Whalen because it's like what I yeah. hear in my head. It's like, no, just do it your way. And if it's for you, you'll get it. And also, you don't want to be on a job you're not right for. Yeah. I think that's really important. It's like sometimes that can be really disappointing because if you don't book a job for like two months, you're like, okay, am I just not good? At, like, I'm just, am I just not good for any of these? Like, it can feel yeah. really frustrating. But I think the truth is you don't want to be three eight-hour days in a booth on a book you can't accomplish in the way that it needs to be accomplished. It's no fun for anybody. It's not fun for you. It's embarrassing and hard and vulnerable. It's not fun for the producers. It's not fun for the author. It's not fun for the listener. Like, it's... That's sort of what I mean about, like, not being concerned about missed opportunities. Is that there there are... If you fill your life, if you try to focus your networking and your career building as increasing your opportunities, right? Like I said earlier that I tried to plant some seeds. I try to think Mm -hmm. about auditioning like that, right? I don't know which seeds are going to come up. So I try to plant as many as I can. And I do my best. Some seeds were never, they were, you know, like they got wet last season and like won't grow, you know, like that's just like the way that it goes. And, And I think... Making sure that your relationship to auditioning is the relationship you want to have to the art, right? So, like, yeah. focusing on the things that are important. What is this person feeling in this moment? Who, who Do your research. Who else has narrated books for this author, right? Like, listen to what they did because often authors are picking. Um, but also just, like, really finding yourself in it, right? Like... Close your eyes. Imagine what it smells like in this moment before you start narrating. Imagine what sounds you're hearing. Imagine what the character you're playing might be experiencing emotionally and then start rather than like, okay, right? Like, you know, it's not that, right? It's because anybody can do that, right? But only a person can know themselves and so the only person you should be trying to be is yourself if you are in these circumstances audition a lot however you can figure out how to do that there are a bunch of online places where you can you know bid fifty dollars to do like fiverr stuff yeah um but and i'm not suggesting that anybody do that but i'm saying that like download copy or watch commercials write it down and then you go do it audition a lot like, as much as you possibly can, it will get your body comfortable in the space of auditioning and with the uncertainty. Mm. And at some point, it will not be a thing anymore because you'll have done it enough that your body is just like, oh, I know what's happening. We're auditioning. Mm. That. Yeah. <laughs> that. And then also always have something that you're working on that isn't, uh, that is creative, that is not related to this. Um, because I... Just, like, something else. Like, right now, yeah. I'm making... <laughs> this will air by the time, I'm sure, <laughs> the time I give them to her. Right now, I am I have a friend who's narrating a series of books about mooses. Oh, Moose? nice. Moosin? Moosin? <laughs> What's the plural of moose? Uh, <laughs> I have no clue. 
Uh, anyway, she's narrating a series that is all about this moose. And so I'm making her like a pair of moose ears to go over her headphones with my sewing machine. Oh, that's brilliant. And like, it's giving me so much joy. And every time I get stuck or like frustrated or like, oh, no one's ever going to hire me again. I'll just like go and like sew a little bit on this stilly little thing that has nothing to do yeah. with anything. You know? <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, not only the the, the moosey is a fantastic idea, but it's also a fantastic idea to make sure that you've got something that you can just sort of take your brain away and, and sort of use it in another form to stop, you know, to to help kind of calm yourself down if you're getting stressed out. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, and something, something creative yeah. too, you know, like, or, you know, I guess if you like video games, I do that a lot. I'll sit down and play a video game because it's creative and problem solving, yeah. Do you play the ones that you're in? Um <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't I haven't worked on anything that I've played, I don't think. Yeah. 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 No. Right now I'm replaying through The Last of Us. Oh nice. I haven't played that yet. I'm still getting around to it. I'm so late to the party. Um It's okay. Yeah. It's a it's just a great story. Yeah. It's an awesome, awesome story. Do you know like sometimes when there's there's a film coming out but it's based on um it's an adaptation of a novel and I don't know if you do this, but I, I certainly think, well, I'm I won't see that yet because I want to read the book first. <laughs> and then and, they, and then it's been five years. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I feel <laughs> yeah. about The Last of Us with with the with the T V show just coming out. I think, well I wanted to play the game first. <laughs> it's like I'll watch it in five years' time then. <laughs> yeah. No, I would actually say with The Last of Us you could probably you could probably watch it before you play the game. Could you? Okay. Yeah, it's like it is my favorite piece of video game art that I've ever encountered, and I think mm. you could absolutely watch the show and play the game, and it would. They're both equally good and equally different. Yeah, it's not going to ruin it for you. Okay, cool. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll pop it. On, I'll pop it on the list. This is a weird question that I've started to ask at the uh, towards the end of the episode. So do please feel free to ignore it completely. We can move on. But what's a question you wished you were asked more? I really like this question, but it's gonna give me. A, it's gonna need a minute. Well, I'll tell you what somebody, something somebody said to me at a time in my life that it made me mad. Okay. And then I'll tell you what I wish somebody would have said. So this was a this was a real gift this person gave me. Um, I was getting headshots done in Los Angeles, and I went to get them done, and I was just, like, in this place where I was, like, fresh out of school and trying to, just, like, trying so hard to make it be. Because I was trying so hard to make it be, obviously nothing was being because like, <laughs> it was I was just like it was too much intensity and not enough art making. Yeah. And this guy who was doing my headshots, he put the camera down mid shot and was like, hey, you'll figure it out, but focus on your feedback loop. I didn't understand what that meant because I thought I had just graduated college. I've arrived. <laughs> I am young. I am ready to go. Put me on the freeform show. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah. I felt like I had arrived. And so it was a really frustrating thing to hear. Like, hey, you need a better way of feeding back to yourself. Like, the thing you're doing is mm -hmm. not resonating. It took me another five years <laughs> to figure out what he meant. And I'm glad that he said it. But it, what it is that I think he was trying to say was the thing that matters more than anything is your, what you have to say, right? Yeah. 
Um, Ira Glass is like a, a very famous American radio host. Um, and he had a he had a thing he said many years ago, which is like, your job as an artist is to develop your taste. Yeah. And so I wish somebody had asked me about my taste early because it took me a while to figure out that there was no right way of doing anything that it was just about making things that didn't exist before and if it's just about making things that didn't exist before they should be things you're interested in making um they should be things that resonate with you and and even if they're not things that resonate with you you have to find yourself in them yeah because otherwise don't do it Right. Yeah. Like if it's just if it's just to get the next job or if it's just to put the shit on your resume. It's why, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. because this is about this is about human to human contact and this whole world. Right. It's about entertainment. It's about company. It's about creating something. It's about literature. But it's also just about like, I am a person. I hope that you can see yourself in me. Mm. And so. The number one thing is knowing who you are <laughs> and knowing what you want and what kind of art you like and don't like. Yeah. And then and then closing the gap between the kind of art you want to make and the kind of art you are capable of making. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Because, like, sometimes there's a discrepancy, right? You're like, I want to make an Oscar-winning movie. And then you're like, I can do it. And you get in front of your self-tape camera and you're like, I really can't do this. (laughs) I don't know what I thought I was doing, but it's not what I'm doing. (laughs) I love that, you know. I really do. And it sort of feeds back to what we were saying earlier about, I mean, this stuff's a lifestyle. You know, that whole, you know, it's it's a true journey. And and it kind of feeds back to a lot of things we were saying. Also, just you just got to make sure that you that you're, you're doing this for the right reasons and that's your own sort of satisfaction. As you say, not just ticking boxes and just moving on to the next thing. Just make sure that you're getting something out of this because the, the kind of the stress and the pressure's really not worth it if you're not at least enjoying yourself some of the time. Yeah, because if you're, if you're just going to be stressed, you might as well make more money doing it. Yeah. You know, like you might as well just go be stressed on Wall Street. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like go be stressed elsewhere in, in an environment that is going to support a lifestyle that is conducive (laughs) you know and I I think your friend gave you some really good advice and like you know it's a thing that gets thrown around a lot if you can imagine yourself doing something else yeah um and I think you should be able to imagine yourself doing something else but if you really want to do this Mm. that's where the magic is right oh yeah the magic is in the wanting right not in the have to the magic is in the want to. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's like one of the parts I used to get told off for daydreaming a lot. And I used to daydream. And I st- but I still I still do. And I've come to sort of realize that it's just part of that kind of creative process of just just mm. dreaming and making things up in your own head. And like I, I try and write a fair bit um, as well as doing all the other stuff. And I think that that's such an impo- important piece of the project. But but it's just it's just one of those things where it's like kind of if, if you're not particularly down a creative path yourself it can seem like total procrastination but I really do believe Mm. it's a a big part of the process is 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 sort of imagining and and, and coming up with everything in your head first you know even if it's sort of visualizing what you're going to do for a narration gig is sort of having that time you know to compartmentalize things and and put things into perspective in your head first that's 100% that's beautiful what you're saying what you're saying I, I totally resonate with that and it's 
it's funny. I had a I had an audition this morning, a self tape audition on camera, mm. and yes, it I, it was a super fast turnaround. It's a project I'm really interested in. And yeah. yesterday, I like I woke up with this impulse to just sit in front of the pages all day, and like memorize them and like kind of like squeeze the life out of them. Yeah. And and then I like had this moment where I was like taking my dog for a walk, and I was like, oh no. Outside is where I need to be for this. Mm. And it felt like such, like you said, procrastination because I was just outside for two hours walking around just like listening to music and like inspo gathering. <laughs> but like, but it it was the thing that I needed. And I think that that's a huge part of an artistic lifestyle is knowing what you need at that time and what parts are integral to your creative project process right because you'll get yeah. thrown a lot of are you do this before every whatever and this is the only way and like that's just people trying to sell you on their way <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily your yeah yeah i think it's yeah i think it's really fascinating i think it's also sometimes like in, in times where you know if it, I, I often find it like if, if things are getting really busy and i've got a lot to do and i find myself getting overwhelmed that it's like the mm. best like because all i really want to do is sit at my desk and carry on working but i'm getting more and more stressed out whereas and yeah. i think i don't have time to do anything else but then if i just remove myself for 30 minutes take a walk outside just take a break i come back and get more done than i ever would have done if i would have just stayed there and I think that, that that I think your brain kind of secretly tells you what you well sometimes it works against you, but then also these like you know just little little kind of um, voice. I was going to say little voices in your head, but it makes me sound mad. But you get my point. Mm, <laughs> like, no voices in your head. Also, like we work in voiceover, it's just all voices in our yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get safe with that. <laughs> <laughs> when um, we've spoken about uh, two of them there. Um, sewing, sewing, uh, mooses, and, and of course video <laughs> games. But I was, I was going to ask, like, when not acting on screen or you know in the booth recording, what can we often find you up to? Hmm. I play a lot of D and D. Oh, nice. Yeah, I play every week with my friends, and we're just, I'm just getting back into it. Um, I thought I do enjoy that. I like, yeah, video games. I like, I have uh, a dog. I like to take her to the park and watch her run around like a little nutcase <laughs> um yeah i really look i really enjoy reading and listening to audiobooks yeah. i'm unfortunately like very engaged with the work i do um i love to travel yeah i feel like i'm saying like generic.com answers no um, not at all yeah i i i really enjoy reading i love taking care of my plants mm. um yeah i guess I guess I need some more hobbies. <laughs> I think they're really good hobbies. I think they're really good. I, I hope they are anyway, because I share a lot of them. The um, Although I must admit, I haven't been able to keep a plant alive longer than about a month, um, which doesn't speak very well about me. Um, but you mentioned traveling there. Have you been Have you been back to Scotland since since coming back after studying there? Yeah, but it's been like, I think it's maybe been five years. Wow. Um, since I've been back. Yeah, it's, uh, I miss it all the time, but it was a, a very specific time in my life. And yeah. do you ever get this thing where you're, there's like a place or like a, even if it's just like a coffee shop or whatever that you frequented at a very specific time in your life and, and you almost just kind of want to leave it in your memory? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or in some cases, like there's certain pubs that I will not return to <laughs> because, yeah. because of like these. Just because like, I think it's like who you were at that point and like not necessarily it's like particularly negative, but you've moved on from that headspace and you're now onto different things. And it kind of, I don't know, for me, it's kind of, I'm kind of scared. I'll put myself back into that zone, I guess. Absolutely. Or it, or it just sort of like jogs your memory in a way, in ways about things that you're maybe not keen on remembering (laughs) you know or like or it's changed and I think that's the biggest you know for me right now where I am in my life like that's such a it would be sad to go back because I have such a specific memory of it and see something that's not the way it was I'd like to um as we we sort of close and Mm. go towards the end of the show I'd like to end by just kind of simply asking if you have any upcoming projects. I know, of course, there's one that you can't talk about. But if there's, if there's any upcoming projects that, you know, you can talk about, that you're excited about, that, that we can look forward to. Um, yeah, I have. So I did a, a, some voices on the a children's animation show called The Enchantimals, uh, where I play a hedgehog oh, nice. and a corgi. Uh, I really enjoyed working on that one. It was a lot of, like, squeaky voices. Um, But uh, (laughs) that one was really fun. Uh, I had a book released yesterday, The Protégé, by Jodi Gurman, and I narrated that with Cindy Kay, who I'd never worked with before, but (sighs) she's amazing. Um, Yeah, and then some a really cool title from Brilliance uh, is coming out next month, The Rise and Fall of Ava Arcana. Uh, so that one's that one's a really good one, and I narrated that with Samara Nayemi, who's amazing. Um, yeah, so those are some fun ones, and then uh, hopefully you'll be able to see uh, Shortcomings, which is the one that went to Sundance because it just got picked up. So hopefully it will we'll know some more about the distribution soon. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, well that sounds that sounds brilliant. It sounds like you've got uh, got a a busy few. Uh... A busy time ahead. Yeah, I hope I I hope to connect with more projects that are are fun and funky and yeah. That just about brings us to uh, a close for this episode of the Audiobook Club. Uh, all links to Jess's social media and website will be linked in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and of course, another huge, huge thank you to you, Jess, for joining us. Mm, thanks for having me, and and thanks for listening. If you made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, John. Frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook? Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70% royalties, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman? Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them, and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. 
If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.